0: From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing you the best of internet marketing and website development for an affordable price. You can also check out the Unconquered Podcast shop for some stickers and other motivational and you know just lovely sorts of things. And of course, by ShowTheSafeties.com. If you want to see the full game instead of the part, game partial game that we get every time, especially every time a game is at Doke. Well, let's go ahead and get to it. I'm running late on this one as well. Did last week as well. Sorry, certain things can't be helped, but uh, this is the Miami preview. Uh, just a quick note. I am going to do a couple uh, questions. I'm going to take a couple questions in this episode uh, toward the end that uh, I've gotten, but I want to do a question and answer pod next, uh, next week, so... If you've got any uh, things that you want to do for a mailbag uh, podcast, uh, send them in. Uh, The stuff sent in through Patreon gets priority, and uh, we'll work from there. So let's go ahead and get to that Miami preview. And yeah, well, this one's one that, man, I've had some fun this year uh, watching Miami. It's been quite an entertaining ride watching the new and improved Mario Cristobal Miami watching them struggle mightily to get out of their own way, especially on offense. And so far this year, I mean, Miami has not been all that good. And they come into this game fairly banged up on the on the offensive line, very banged up at the linebacker spot. So a lot of different things going on here from their perspective. And Florida State's actually healthier than they've been in a while, with uh, Treshawn Ward returning from the separated shoulder that he had. And, uh, and then uh, Fabian Lovett, should be really full go in this one. He looked better than I expected last week. So, so at least on that front, and there is one exception to this, uh, it's better to play Miami right now than it would have been say two or three weeks ago, just because of, uh, of those injury factors and Florida state getting a good bit healthier over the last couple weeks, thanks to the bye week and, and, uh, then playing Georgia tech last week. So you look at the, way that these two teams have played on the year and who they've played. And yeah, you would expect FSU to just looking at this on paper, just looking at the results on the year, transitive property type stuff. You'd say FSU should roll in this game. So just looking at the, at, at the last couple of weeks, Virginia played Georgia tech two weeks ago and won 16 to nine. Virginia had 5.63 yards per play in that game and won what was one of the ugliest games you will ever see. I mean, wow. Just an incredibly ugly football game. And then Florida State just annihilated, just destroyed Georgia Tech, made Georgia Tech look like they did not belong in the same field because Florida State played their C game against Georgia Tech and still blew them out. So you'd say, okay, well, that, that gives you one data point. And then Virginia goes and plays Miami. And I said the Georgia Tech game, Georgia Tech-Virginia might have been the ugliest game you thought you'd ever see. Well, since nobody could actually see the Miami-Virginia game because it wasn't on accessible television, as you know tends to be the case with Miami football games these days, fortunately, most people weren't able to see that game. Otherwise, you you might have had an uptick in, you know, people putting out their own eyes or things like that. But comparably ugly football game. And again, as I said, Virginia, it's 5.63 yards per play against Georgia Tech's defense, 5.54 yards per play, very comparable against Miami's defense. So pretty straightforward in terms of, those expectations and then of course Miami wins that game 14 to 12 in in PKs after extra time so you'd you look at that and you go wow okay so transitive property Miami pretty comparable to Georgia Tech well Florida State way better than Georgia Tech this should this game should be should be a walkover this they should roll yeah it's not quite that simple it's just not quite that simple if only the transitive property worked so easily For one thing, I am pretty confident that Florida State is not going to face the same Miami team that played against Virginia. This has been the case for Miami for a very, very long time that the team that plays Florida State is not the team that plays virtually everybody else on the schedule. FSU is going to get the same Miami team that played North Carolina and Texas A&M, not the team that played against Virginia. Now, there's some Obviously, some similarities among those different Miami teams. But this is not going to be the same team. You're going to see a a very motivated bunch, and you're going to see some other aspects that are going to emerge in this game as the rivalry meter gets ticked up pretty significantly. This is still a game that matters. So I want to just preface everything with that first and foremost secondly i think there's you know at least a chance decent chance that tyler uh, that uh, tyler van dyke plays in this game and even though jake garcia is a guy who look if he hit the transfer portal i'd i'd take him i'd almost certainly take him guy has excellent arm talent a lot of talent just in general at the quarterback position even though he's got that and has flashed that at different points this year van dyke has clearly looked more comfortable when he's been on the field. I mean, you just look at their overall uh, their overall numbers. Now, some of that's skewed by Bethune-Cookman, but you know, Jake Garcia on the year, two touchdowns, three interceptions, and then Tyler Van Dyke, 10 touchdowns, four picks. It's a pretty big difference. Now, again, Van Dyke, you have to kind of look at that game log. Of those 10, 10 touchdowns, two of them came against Bethune, one against Southern Miss in those early games. But Van Dyke has played... Pretty well at different points this year in spurts. He's looked uncomfortable in that offense for most of the season, but I think that makes that makes a difference. So, and also the other the other big thing here is that Miami's best wide receiver, and really the only wide receiver they've had all season who's been worth anything, Xavier Restrepo, returns for this game. And when I saw that he got hurt uh, a few weeks ago you never want to see a player get hurt. I I want to preface this with that. But when he got hurt, it's like, oh, that injury is going to give him just enough time to get healthy for Florida State after not being able to play for all those weeks. Then suddenly FSU is going to have to face a, a guy who's back on the field. And sure enough, played against Virginia last week, one catch for 11 yards, but going to be, full go this he was more on a pitch count last week this week he's going to be full go and I think he also helps their offense and actually let's just go ahead and get into the offensive side of this preview brought to you by Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville Florida who will be on offense for you if you need any real estate in the greater Jacksonville area And when he puts a house on a on the market, it sells faster and for a higher price than anybody else, because he's going to make it look better online and he's going to make sure it shows well. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. So you look at this Miami offense and they've had some real trouble at wide receiver all season. They've they've just had no playmakers. Uh, You look at last year. They were able to do some things down the field and Charleston Rambo, the, the transfer from, from Oklahoma was a big factor in that. Without him and then without Restrepo for most of the season, Restrepo got hurt in the Southern Miss game. Though They've just been, they've been flat bad at wide receiver and they've not challenged anybody downfield. And they've had very little in the way of big plays. And they've had, they've had 20 drops on the season. They're among the worst in the country in terms of number of drops. So, Restrepo returning, I think, is a bit of a concern. That's the one thing in terms of injury differences coming into this game. I think that significantly helps the Miami offense, regardless of who the quarterback is, because he's a guy that has shown that he can get open, he can make contested catches, and he's reliable. I mean, really, Restrepo is, he's kind of like a, thinking in Miami terms, he's kind of Braxton Barrios redux, you know, very similar kind of slot receiver to him. Uh, actually, pretty similar player to Micah Pittman for Florida State. Uh, gives them a guy that they feel is reliable, that can win those contested catch situations. So I think that's something that Florida state's definitely going to have to keep in mind coming into this game is Miami's passing game has been bad this year, largely because of a tremendous amount of inconsistency when Van Dyke has put it on the, on the money at different points or Garcia has put it on the money. They've had some really key drops that have hurt them. And then, there've also been just some misses in some key situations by the by the quarterbacks who've not looked comfortable either. So, combination of those plus no real big plays from that group and that's sort of where their passing game has been on the season. But Barrios is a guy or Barrios Restrepo is a guy that actually gives you at least a bit more consistency from the slot and a guy that you have to pay attention to defensively. You got to know where he is and you partner him with really an excellent tight end room. I mean, it is Miami, and what would Miami be if they don't have a really frustrating tight end or three to to play against? And led by Will Mallory, uh, that tight end room. Then you put a slot right outside it, and that could cause that can cause you some problems in coverage because you can't just bracket both of them. They're they're, they're going to be able to do some things with those guys that defensively are going to stretch some of the things Florida State has not done all that well this year. So that's something to think about just in the passing game. And we'll get to that in a a few minutes, a little bit more. But when you look at the Miami defense or Miami offense, they really, this is a Mario crystal ball offense. They want to run the football period. They want to run it and they want to run it and they want to run it some more. They want to play physical football. A lot of people out there these days have been talking about, uh, Jimbo Fisher's offense being behind the times. Now, of course, that's, ridiculous uh if his offense was behind the times when he had gone out to texas a&m they wouldn't have shot up to number 11 in f plus offensive ratings offensive uh offensive metric in his first season if it was too complicated or whatever the issues with that and you know i i actually just went on the uh the fish cast uh charles Fishbines podcast and we talked a good bit about this i I may uh, cross post that over on this feed as well but we talked a lot about this for those of you who are interested. That you know the problem that the primary problem that Fisher's run into is poor roster management and very poor recruiting at quarterback for the most part, uh, and then just generally not being able to to get the players in after a couple of years that that really suit what he wants to do. Well, the reason I bring this up is if you want to talk about a guy who's behind the times and a guy whose offense and offensive approach and offensive structure really really are <laughs> sort of regressive and and not not in not going in the direction that 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 you'd like it's Mario Cristobal that guy wants to run a 19 you know early 1990s offense that's that's really what he's after and he wants to he wants to load up and pound the rock and he wants to do that now look if he gets the the talent in there to be able to do it it may eventually work if you get Enough talent on the offensive line. You get elite running backs. You can do some of this stuff, especially if you you throw in a you know Andre Johnson type wide receiver. Yeah, you can do some of that stuff. That receiver is going to have to get used to doing a lot of blocking, but you you know maybe you can succeed with with exactly the right pieces for it. But this is an offense that just is a terrible fit for what they had on the roster, and then they've gotten banged up since. So the big issues that Miami has had is just in terms of the fit between what he wants to do and what they have on the roster and what their quarterbacks are comfortable with are pretty significantly different. They want to run the football, but their offensive line is almost as banged up as Florida State's is. They're coming into this game where they may have three guys that were projected to be starters in the preseason that are out. And that sounds familiar. So they've they've struggled with that, and the offensive line has you know, pretty, has struggled at times this season, as you would expect, given that situation. And then you combine that with their running backs really haven't been special. I mean, they're led by a, a guy who transferred from Ole Miss because he was going to be third on the depth chart at Ole Miss. Henry Parish Jr., he's a good back. Look, don't get me wrong. He's averaging 2.66 yards after contact. He's got 27 missed tackles forced on 114 runs. So that's about 23% of runs. If he just breaks one tackle per run, each of those is one tackle per run. You're looking at about 23% of runs are, are are broken tackles. So it's not quite where, say, Treshawn Ward is for Florida State. And it's certainly not the 50% plus margin that you're getting from Trey, uh, from Benson. But it's still pretty good. That's pretty good. But there's been no breakaways from their running backs on the season. Their longest run on the year is 26 yards. And that's largely because if you watch their their backs, they're guys that just don't jump out at you as scary when they get to that second level. They're they're good backs. And they can you know do some things with when they've got when they've got space, but they're not elite backs. And then of course they just lost the rooster. They lost the the back that probably scares you the most in terms of the big plays, and that's Jalen Knighton. So he's 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 actually hitting the transfer portal. So that's a good thing for Florida State because coming into into this game, that's a guy that was among the ones that I was most concerned about, or I would have been most concerned about if I'm the if I'm the uh, the Florida State defensive coaching staff. So they want to run the football, but their offensive line is really banged up, and they don't have elite backs. They want to run a play action drop back vertical passing game off of that but without significant weapons at wide receiver they brought in Frank Ladson the, the Clemson transfer who has been a, a major disappointment for them has you know good talent and big big body you know good wheels but Florida State evaluated him well they they chose not to take him they took uh they they took Johnny Wilson and do span over him and and didn't really they weren't interested it's a good good indication of how well Florida State evaluates the wide receiver position that Ladson They basically, despite being a former blue chip guy, despite being a guy from the state of Florida, they just, they evaluated him and passed. Well, Miami took him and he's, he's not really helped him. Not so far. That doesn't mean that he couldn't break out at some point, but he just has not done what Miami hoped for, but they want to run that vertical passing game, running vertical routes downfield off of play action. And then, you know, if you cover it over the top, they want to sit down and, and throw some comeback-type routes, those sorts of things. And it's a demanding offense in that respect, in terms of your throwers. You've got to have guys that can win one-on-one matchups. you got to have guys that can either run away from you or win on contested catches, and they've really had neither. So this has been a team, then, that they've been actually pretty decent in terms of overall success rate on offense, but they've had very few big plays on the season and that leads us to sort of how how you have to defend this game, how you have to defend this team. Miami on the season is number 107 in 20 plus yard plays against power 5 teams. They're 111th in 30 plus yard plays. Now Florida State's defense is the reverse. Florida State's defense is number 8 in 24 in 20 plus yard plays given up and they're fourth in the country in 30 plus yards yard plays given up. They've done a great job of not giving up big plays down the field, not giving up long runs. That those are those are numbers that reflect a team that tackles pretty well in space and then just doesn't get torched in vertical vertical type stuff. So, Miami, those numbers reflect a team that basically has not been able to generate a bunch of broken tackles and breakaways in either the run or the pass. And they don't have guys that really run away from you in the secondary, just in general, where they're really most able to hurt you at this point is in the success rate stuff of just pound the football, pound the football, pound the football four and five yards at a time, and then hit the tight end hit Mallory, and now Restrepo's back, so hit that slot receiver for, you know, 8, 10, 15-yard type plays, that's what they do to you. So if you're Florida State, this becomes an interesting question. They've done a great job of not giving up big plays on the season, and they're playing against a team that's not been able to generate them, but is pretty good on the success rate side. So do you basically sit back and just play and, and say, well, you know, we're gonna force you to, you know, execute all the way down the field and eventually you'll make a mistake, which Miami has been mistake prone on the season. Or do you say, you know what? We don't think that you you're a team that is gonna be able to generate big plays in general. So we're gonna turn up the pressure just a little bit more because we're, we're confident we'll be able to handle whatever you throw at us in terms of of that kind of big play approach. I actually like the latter approach on this. I think Florida State needs to basically take away that success rate stuff for Miami. Don't let them do, you know, make them, make them beat you with big plays, which has not been what teams have been able to do against Florida State this year. So I think this is one where you get a little more aggressive because of how they've struggled to create big plays against anybody. So to me, this game, if you're looking at Florida State on defense, Florida State's defensive line needs to come out and win its matchup and force Miami to throw on longer yardage. They've been stubborn on the year, sticking with the run on first down a lot. And they've been inconsistent throwing it even when they've done it. So to me, you if you need to bring an extra guy here and there, you do that. But you turn that defensive line loose, and you've got to play pretty aggressive to take away those first down runs and force Miami to, th- to do what they've not been that great at, force them to beat you down the field. I know that sounds crazy when you're playing against a quarterback that a lot of people had marked as a first-rounder at the beginning of the year. But against that offensive line, which... I think is going to struggle some in pass pro and against what Miami does. Well, you try to take away what they do. Well, to me, that's what you have to do now on the season. Miami's averaged 5.37 yards per play against the power five. So they 3.89 yards per play against Virginia, but, but FSU is not going to face that Miami. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's different. They did, they were about 5.09 yards per play against Texas A&M, who has struggled to stop the run on the season. It's a bunch of five stars that are, you know, 18 years old, and they've struggled to stop the run against anybody. App State ran all over Texas A&M. So then you look at last year, Miami was a good bit better offensively, and they averaged 5.13 yards per play against Florida State. So I think that gives you a good range of sort of where this offense is in terms of what Miami brings to the table this year. FSU has given up 4.97 yards per play against the Power 5. And I think Miami's offense sort of sits somewhere between NC State, who had 4.45 yards per play, and Clemson, who was about 5.5 yards per play offensively. So I think you can kind of expect a little closer to NC State offensively for Miami. Uh, So that's about, you know, I I think a little bit more yards per play than than NC State, but not a bunch more. I think around 4.7 yards per play, which should put Miami somewhere around 20 to 24 points. That's my guess. Thing is, Miami's also horrendous. They've been horrendous in red zone touchdown percentage on the season. If you think Florida State struggled in the red zone, you have not watched Miami. Well, or you could think that Florida State struggled in the red zone and Miami's just that much worse, which is really the case. Miami, their touchdown percentage in the red zone is 42.3%. Just for perspective, Florida State's is 58%. That puts Miami at 116th in the country in red zone touchdown percentage. So even when they do get it in the red zone, they've, they're have they settling for a lot of field goals. Now, some of that is, is Mario Cristobal just being a guy who's going to kick the field goal if it's, you know, fourth and goal at the two. But some of that's just they they've gotten their butts handed to them on the line of scrimmage. I mean, North Carolina had a goal line stand against them where it went like seven plays, And that's North Carolina. North Carolina has not been great on defense this year. So, yeah, that 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 kind of tells you where they're at up front when they when they need to run the football in tight quarters, they've not been able to move teams. Now, for perspective, Florida State's defense is about 46th at, a, at 57% touchdown percentage. So Miami is far worse offensively in the in, in the red zone than Florida State's defense is, has even given up. So if Miami averages 4.7 yards per play and then has their comparable red zone touchdown percentage, then they'll put them at like probably 13 to 17 points. But again, I, I think Miami's going to have a few things up their sleeve in this one. So, yeah, it's somewhere, somewhere, you know, around 4.7 yards per play and about 20 points is about what I'd expect here. Flipping over to the other side of the ball and this side of the ball brought to you by Shenandoah Newsma of ShenRealEstate.com in the Research Triangle of North Carolina. Let her know you heard about her from the Unconquered podcast. So defensively, as rough a season as Miami has had on the whole, Miami's defense has been pretty good. Now. We all laughed about Middle Tennessee State getting big plays over and over and over again. And then, of course, Duke scored 45, but Duke scored 45 on eight turnovers. You know, some pick sixes in there. This this Miami defense has been better than their, than their rep. I, I think they've got one of the best defensive lines Florida State's faced. They're right up there with LSU and Clemson in terms of what they've got on the defensive line. Leonard Taylor's been really good. Their ends are really good. They're going to give Florida State, Florida State's offensive line all they can handle. They've been better against the run than NC State, for example. NC State's given up 4.28 yards per, per carry. Miami's given up 3.79 yards per carry against the Power 5. So, I mean, that's a half yard better against the run than NC State. Florida State struggled to run the ball against NC State once Ward went out. Now, with Ward, maybe that changes some things in this game. But... Let's consider that. I mean, that means that this is not a guaranteed laugher that FSU should be able to run up and down the field against this defense. They're they're good running the football, or they're good against the run, I should say. Nevertheless, uh, Miami has given up some explosives on the year. So they're, what, 16th in the country in terms of yards per carry before contact. So they're getting they're getting guys in the backfield. They're getting they're making contact, you know, at, in the backfield or line of scrimmage, that sort of thing. But in terms of their tackling, they're 85th in yards per contact after yards per carry after contact. So you think about their their top running back, Henry Parrish, 2.66 yards after contact per per rush. It's pretty good. Their defense is giving up 2.94 yards per con- yards per carry after contact. Uh, yeah, that's not good. Some of that is just due to some youth and not the best play from their linebacker position. And some of it has just been their safeties take atrocious angles, go for kill shots way too often, and they, they miss a lot of tackles at the second level. So this is a game where it sort of sets up pretty well for Florida State to have their usual mix of chunk plays on the ground and then not uh, not a bunch of success in the running game. So, you know, basically this sets up for FSU to be very boom and bust in the running game. Now, you'd like better consistency there in terms of what FSU is going to be able to bring to the table there, but I think this is a game where FSU is going to have to make... When they get their opportunities for big plays, and they're going to get them, they're going to have to make those opportunities pay off. You're going to have to take some some to the house. You're going to have to make sure that, that you don't end up getting tackled on the five-yard line and then settling for a field goal or turning it over. That's the concern against this Miami team, because they will make things difficult on a play-by-play basis. They're just going to give up some almost inexplicable big plays here and there. Now, in terms of their strength of schedule, they've not played the best offensive slate. So some of their numbers might be a little bit deceptive. You know, Texas A&M, Virginia Tech, and Virginia are not good on offense. But UNC and Duke do both have pretty good offenses. UNC's got one of the best offenses in the country. And they held UNC to 27 points and, and two turnovers and very nearly won that game. That defense competed with that very good North Carolina offense. North Carolina's defense isn't good, but that offense with Drake May at, at quarterback, that's a legit offense. And for them to hold North Carolina to 27 tells you what they're capable of in terms of Florida State facing that kind of that kind of defense. Because North Carolina's offense on the season has generally been better than Florida State's. Sort of similar tier. FSU's a, a top, top ten offense at this point. But, I mean, even with a top 5-10 to 10 offense, you're not guaranteed to score over 30 against this defense. It's a good defense. And again, their biggest problems have been tackling in the back seven and coverage busts. And they give up about two more 30-plus yard plays per game than Florida State does. But FSU's going to need to get some big plays in this game, really, to make this pay off, because they're going to give FSU some trouble up front. They just are. And the other thing that's concerning here is Miami is very good in red zone defense. So as bad as they are offensively in the red zone, they're about that good defensively. They're 14th in, uh, against Power 5 in red zone touchdown percentage. They only give up 46% touchdowns in the red zone. Now Florida State's 77th offensively in that. They give they've got they've scored on 58%. So FSU needs to Find some ways to actually pay off in the red zone here, or this game could be much closer than comfort. So yeah. Last year, by the way, Florida State 5.86 yards per play against Miami and 31 points. This year's Miami defense has been has been better than last year's overall, minus some some really big plays. That said, I think FSU's offense has also been better. So I think about six yards yards per play is about what you'd expect in this game. Based on overall. Again, comparing what Miami's done against some comparables. Now, looking at special teams, Miami's got a very good field goal kicker. Again, this is it's Florida State-Miami. You don't want this game to come down to kicking, bottom line. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that in terms of special teams. So, stepping back then. Overall, what can we expect here? To me, as I said before, you cannot expect the Miami team that played against Virginia. You can't expect the Miami team that played against Duke. Those are not the Miami teams that you're going to face in this game. You're going to face rivalry, very motivated Miami. One way to think about it is you, I think you're going to play the Miami team that faced North Carolina. That That's who you're playing in this game. So that's a good football team. That's a team that can beat you. Not And it's not as good a matchup as you'd initially think on paper because of some of the places that Miami's stronger on the defensive line. To me, this is a game Florida State absolutely can win. It's a game they should win, but it's a, ga- or it's a game they can lose. It's a game they should win, but it's a game you can lose very easily. This game, for my money, this game comes down to whether or not FSU, or really to either team, who finishes drives and what happens in the turnover margin. What happens between the 20s is going to matter less in this game. Who's going to finish drives that do get down inside the 20? Who's going to finish drives once you get down into that tight zone? Who's going to end up kicking field goals? Who's going to end up turning it over? That's going to determine this game. To me, if Florida State loses the turnover margin and turnover battle in this game, they may well lose this game. It's, that, it's, it's close enough there that if Miami plays reasonably well and Florida State turns it over one more time than Miami does, they very well may lose this game. On the flip side, if Florida State just takes care of business when they do get it inside the red zone, unlike what they've done in key spots this year, if they actually just start converting their their opportunities in the red zone in this game, they could blow Miami out. So that's the thing. This is going to be a very motivated Miami, but it's also going to be a fragile Miami. You get up 14, you get up 17 on this team, and they may... They may stop believing. It's going to be a really interesting game. I think it's going to be a game that's maybe a little less comfortable <laughs> for Florida State fans than what what you'd like, given how Miami's played on the season. But for me, I'm going Florida State 31, Miami 16. And I think Florida State has about a 65% chance of winning this game. Somewhere in there. So not the kind of odds that you'd like going into a into a rivalry game compared to some of the things that we've had. I mean, last week I had it over 90%. This week is closer to 65%. This is a game you can lose. This is a Miami team that with a few plays and a lot of belief can come up and bite you. But once again, I think uh I think this is a game that that Florida State should be you look just look at last year. FSU is a better team than they were last year. Miami is not as good as they were last year. Overall, Florida State won that narrowly but generally won the game won the the matchup on the line of scrimmage. I think you're going to see comparable to this to that this year. I think it's probably a, a ball game going into the second half and I think ultimately FSU is able to find some plays and, and put this game away as the second half goes. Well, I was planning on doing some mailbag stuff, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and just wrap here. Uh, I will leave some of those mailbag things for the next uh, episode after the hot takes bit. So I'll do one early next week. Uh, if everything goes right, uh, send in anything that you want me to talk about, and then we will uh, we'll we'll have plenty of opportunity for that early next week. But until then, this has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenrealestate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast Shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kasischke, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Post us on social media and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.